Yo. What's up? What's up? You should play like 29 and a half seconds of that song you were just playing. No, I'm just kidding. No. 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 I don't want to get sued. Stop it. You're going to get us sued. Weird dance party in the studio. Anyway, sorry about that, everybody. Whoa. Yes. That was a weird yawn. I'm sorry. My apologies, sirs. Borderline inappropriate yawn. I can't even. I can't even. It'd be weird. I was gonna do it again, but we're in your bedroom. That's that it is weird. We're out of my bedroom, we're in the studio. Oh, this Half this, here this, is the studio. This eighth of the bedroom is the studio. <laughs> and okay? that's that's the spot where the dog lays and licks his balls. And he makes that nasty Weird noise like, about it, too. Just yeah. A... yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> God, okay. it makes oh, God. me want to, like, punch you? puppies. Yeah. Like, I hate that noise. But you know what? On a lighter note, update on my dog. Uh, we've he's got not him dead. to eat a little bit so that was now, cool. so he's not dead. He's also weirdly looking at us like he knows we're talking about Yeah, him. he's like, do you want me to come over here? Okay. You want to give me attention? I, 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 I. Yeah. You're a good dude. You got to eat, buddy. Yeah. So we got him on some meds, and uh, the meds yeah. are making him eat a little more, so... That's reassuring, because, dude, this time last week, man, I was I was, I was a little scared. worried. I was a little I was worried. Scared. I didn't realize. Dude, we, like, I knew, I knew he wasn't, like, well, so he was puking a lot, and so I thought he was just, I was worried because he was puking, and I was going to take him into the vet, but I was like, man, he hasn't puked in a while, like, I think we're good, and then I think it was, we were filming, or recording the last episode, and, um... <clears throat> Was it you that noticed, like, how loose his collar was? No, I didn't notice how loose his collar was, but, like, I could have played the xylophone his on his ribs, ribs yeah. and I and was like, like, holy and crap. And, like, dude. I looked, and then I saw, like, his collar was so loose, and I was like, oh, my God, like, he's lost a lot of weight, and it just, when you live with him, well, like, yeah, you, you, don't just, you don't notice, notice it. You don't realize it, yeah, because it's gradual. You see every day, and you're just like, oh, no, I mean, I guess he's maybe lost a little weight, and then all of a sudden, I saw how loose his collar was, and I was like, oh, my God, that's bad. Dude's head in proportion to his body yeah. is massive yeah and so uh when i uh i called the vet on the next day and kind of yeah freaked out and then because well when i took him into the vet and saw how much actual weight he had lost Ooh. like it was it was a lot so i was really scared but we got him on some meds now what we found out though I was could... because well they were he was on the both the dogs were on a gravity feeder right i just fill it up and they eat whenever they want like right. I don't, we don't do the whole scheduled feeding thing and it just it always worked out fine problem with it was that i didn't notice that he wasn't eating like at all yeah right just never noticed it Especially because the other dog is a big old shepherd who eats and eats and eats and eats. And, like, I just, just you know, f- fill the fill the feeder and don't really pay attention to how much, it, you know, how often we, f- we fill it. And so, yeah, I go to the vet and the vet's like, yeah, he's lost a lot of weight. And I was like, oh, my God. And then we were watching his food intake and then we kind of realized, like, oh, he's not eating, like, at all. Like, at all. And, like, last week it was damn near everything I had to get him to eat at all 
we got him on some meds and he was kind of slowly eating more and more and more and now he's up to you know two three cups of food a day which is that's good hell of an improvement from where he was i could tell like uh he's gained a little bit of weight back i could tell he's still really he's really skinny skinny. we have a ways to go but at least yeah but i i could see that his like his ribs are smoothing out or his Mm -hmm. sides are smoothing out now he just looks like you know he's cut like he's been doing push-ups or something yeah he's been working out on rec time yeah on the yard (laughs) oh who's a good boy who's a good boy are you a good boy, puppy? JJ's a good boy. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. We going pheasant hunting this year? Well, yeah. Yeah. You gonna get a license? I did. Well, I got. I took the test. So this is such. Oh, a I meant a hunting license. It's such a dub state. Yeah. I had to take a driver, the written driver's exam to. To drive. <sighs> yeah, it was stupid, and I passed it. Like I got, I got three questions wrong and they were questions like how many feet do you give a bicyclist on the side of the road yeah is it two three or four four three what yeah it was like do you give them three feet six feet or nine feet something like that i picked Dude, three feet is like from me to you away yeah yeah if i was a bike way too close yeah i got be, that one wrong yeah, i'd be pissed i would I would like be if too, I was biking down the road and someone came past me three feet away, I'd be pissed. I'm like, right? I go, I go. If there's no oncoming traffic, I go to the opposite lane. Yeah. So, so I, I was like, I didn't actually read the manual before I went in to take the test. So I was like, I don't know, but you know, I'm a generous dude, so I'd assume six feet. So I picked six feet. And I got it wrong. Yeah. yeah. So, but those were like the three questions that I got wrong. They were like that. Like, did you want to know? The dude, one, I don't freaking know. One of the questions that that totally jammed me up on the post test because it was like never even discussed in <laughs> school or, or anything was there. There was a question on there. Well, I don't know. If post is gonna yell at me now if I give away their questions. There's a question on there about <laughs> how. Like what the what the size so like you know when you have a load protruding like the back of your vehicle yeah there's a question about like what size the flag has to be that hangs oh, from the seriously? load protruding from the back of your vehicle and I was like this I don't know nobody knows yeah like troopers don't even know that no, <laughs> I shouldn't say that because now like there's that one guy troopers, there's yeah. that one commercial vehicle guy who like knows the entire freaking book and he's like ah it's ten inches <laughs> that's what she said yeah. that's what I keep telling her anyway yeah that's not, that's not what she said, though. <laughs> you know why women can't park? Because they keep getting lied to about what six inches looks like. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. This, and, this is, and, this, and we're canceled. And, oh, cancel me. Please. And we're canceled. Effing bring it. Oh, oh man. Good times. So what did we talk about last week? I don't know. Politics. Okay. Oh, yeah. Screw politics. I want to. I, I think I said something about it on the weekly reload. I had a guy come in and be like yeah. these assholes, Trump supporters, and I'm like, dude, that's my grandparents' car. Was and it he, really, or did you just no, say oh, okay. no? But you know what? Screw that guy and his opinion. He come walking in like he hadn't, like me and him had the same opinions. And my opinion is, I don't care what your politics are. 
because I don't care. Like, I don't give a shit. It's none of it's none of my business, and it never has been. Please do not talk to me about your politics. Like, I don't care if you think socialism is the way of the future. It hasn't worked for any other country. I don't know why it would work for ours. 100 million person death count? I mean, just saying. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. You know, socialism has killed more people than COVID. So. Depends who you ask. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to put that on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What's on I mean, your mind, Zach? I don't know. I've been socialism getting... has killed way more people than COVID. I've been getting mad Bam. because, like, I it's gotten to the point now, like, where, where I'm at work and people are trying to ask me about my politics and stuff. It's like... A, y'all don't really want to know. You know, if I you want to know think. Kyle's politics, just listen to Shift Change podcast, <laughs> or just ask me privately at contact.shift.change.podcast@gmail.com. <laughs> you uh, can send us a message on Facebook through Messenger at, at Facebook, Facebook backslash the Shift Change podcast backslash America Word. <laughs> hey, did we figure out what we were talking about today? Because you kind of just came up with an idea, and I don't really... I don't know. I don't know if I know where, what you were thinking of, so... I don't know. So, during, uh... <clears throat> hello. Hello, puberty, my old friend. I cracked a little bit, sorry. Yeah, I know, we all heard it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, no, we were talking about, uh... What were we talking about? Like, communication, and how... Something I did when I was an FTO is I'd send my rookies. Obviously, I'd go with them, but... I send my rookies into the bars. Or we had our rookies go to the bars so that yeah. they learn how to talk to people. Mm-hmm. So I thought, ouch, I thought that was something that we could talk about. We, um... Like skills that people should have. Because people, I don't know about you, people have asked me before, like, hey man, what should I work on before yeah. coming to... It's just, coming oh, into it's all, just almost like communication. PT. Yeah. Do a push-up. But I know, like, one thing that I... Which I need to start doing. One thing that we wanted to do the last round, and I don't think it really happened, because we were just on nights for so long, but we discussed starting this was um, when we get new hires, if they're on, like, a day shift or in the afternoon or something, take them, park at one end of the main drag, and just go door-to-door to the businesses... And, and just say kind hi of, to kind of make, make the new officer that's a great idea. Make the new officer introduce himself to all the employees and stuff, so that they can. It's you know it's dual purpose. It lets them see the new faces in the department, but it yep. also gets them, makes that forces them to engage people, forces them yeah, to talk. Well, and, it also because you you know you you guys have kind of a small town here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's way smaller of a town than I worked in, mm-hmm. and we had our downtown. We. We would do that sometimes yep. if there was time. We we were uh, you know a little bit busier than that sometimes, yep. especially in the summertime. Um, with COVID, that doesn't really. I don't know how you guys' city is dealing with the COVID thing right now, but well, that's a sure. good idea. It um it does it does that. It forces your new hires to talk to, especially the business people. Yeah. It, I think it. Probably, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, but it would start to, like, garner a sense of community. Community, yep. So, that's really good. I like that. I like that idea. Yeah, it was something we were going to do the last round of new hires. And like I said, they kind of, they started, they did their week of 
they're like weak in the office, and then it was pretty much straight to nights. No. We, well, we yeah. were so shorthanded, it was like we were the FTO, Get out there the FTOs go. were stuck on nights, you know. That so, makes it tough when your yeah. FTOs are on different or and all we, on the same. And we schedule. only and we only have so many FTOs. And, right. And, and it, <laughs> a little clue, it's not a lot. Yeah, like two. So, There's yeah. two of you. Yeah. <laughs> and they're on the same shift. Yep, That's how my FTO went, is all of my FTOs worked on the same shift. So I basically did an entire, like, summer graveyards yep. on the same shift was my FTO. But you know what? Man, did I did I get an education. Like, I got a pretty... Yeah. I got an education. Well, and I like... Um, I think one of the drawbacks of working in a small department is that when you start there... You only FTO with a couple people. Um, I like, I want to learn from many people. Yes. You know, and one thing that like I, I, I always try and do is when I am in a situation where like I'm working with somebody, even, you know, a few years later, like I'm in a situation where I'm working with someone and they kind of do something different or outside the box or just differently than I would have done it. I always like to try and get with them and be like, hey, like, walk me through like your thought process and but you got to be careful you got to really tippy toe with that like you got to phrase it like educate me you know yes. i'm not questioning what you did i want to learn your thought process behind it so that maybe i can try that in the future right you know it's good to be on the same page see it's nice when uh in my old agency we had like our shift minimum was three officers yeah. And that was, like, stretching it. That was pushing yeah, it. Three guys for us is a overstaff night. Yeah. So. Yeah, three. three. <laughs> well, I guess what I was, I kind of ended that. But where, where I was going with that is those three guys generally work together yeah. uh, for several months at a time. Yeah. So, and the way our, our just shift bids kind of ended up is everybody kind of found their shift that they liked with all the people that they liked working with mm -hmm. and uh and everybody got along really well so it was really easy to do that and then they just bid with each other so whether i was on graves or days or whatever i generally worked with the same like three or four people so we really learned how to kind of how we were working like i knew that my supervisor at any type of really good resistance was going to taste the crap out of yeah. Whoever was resisting, yeah. uh, you know, um, aggressively resisting. So how us. did your how did your kind of shift bid system work? That like went so by we, seniority. Yeah, I'm we bid we bid by seniority. Sergeants did the same thing. Sergeant, so we had the four shifts. We had so the sergeants bid separately. Yes. Okay. So sergeants. So we had four shifts. We had we called it front side and back side. Front side was. Uh, Sunday through Wednesday, and then backside was Wednesday through Saturday. And then every other and, Wednesday? And then, yeah, every other Wednesday was, um, yeah. So like you were short week and a long week. Yes, yeah. yeah. And then uh, what we would do is um, we it would be graves and days. It was mm -hmm. 6 to 6. Yeah. 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., and then 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And then so sergeants would uh, bid whatever shift they wanted to run. And there was, you know, there was, like, seniority mattered there, too. Mm -hmm. Like, our most senior sergeant in the summertime was taken backside graves. Mm -hmm. Our second in, 
you know, senior sergeant was taking backside days, like, because that's what they wanted to do. Um, so they generally... So your most senior guys wanted, like... Graves? Wednesday through Sunday graves? My most senior uh, Wednesday sergeant... Saturday or whatever? Yeah, w- wanted backside graves. And he... So it helps when you know, though, too, as a supervisor, you know where your, your guys are going, because generally they would bid with the shift that they'd been working and so like my i oh, so you, you know what i mean try and keep the so i'm four i had fourth in seniority <laughs> i was 104 and um like i'd bid with the same three other dudes four other dudes and uh we all would bid backside and then mm-hmm. in the summertime we bid days or i'm sorry graves mm-hmm. because it wasn't 100 million degrees outside yeah and uh in the in the winter we'd bid days because there was actually something to do because backside or any side graves in the winter is terrible especially front side like sunday through wednesday yeah so um but that's how we did it and then we did it by seniority yeah so and the way they would do that is they would set it up so that whoever's first in your seniority bid first Mm-hmm. That way, everybody knew exactly where they could bid. Nobody had to fight over spots. So, because it's something that's been discussed in our agency. It's never really been taken too seriously. Um, but I think if somebody were to draw up a proposal that works, I think it might be entertained. Um, and so I could see... You know, if we could write it up so that it works. But now you had mentioned in the past that you guys had some kind of rule that like you can only bid the same shift. Was it two cycles yeah, in a row? Yeah, it wasn't exactly the most favored um, system, but it was fair. Mm-hmm. Like I understood why. So what they do is we would bid. Um, we had uh, three bids a year. Mm-hmm. So, so it's quarter or. Uh, try something. yeah yeah it wasn't quarterly it was like yeah. the try um, every four months yeah you bid every four months and it was either um you'd get basically it was winters summers and then fall because mm-hmm. uh, we in colorado you especially in our neck of the woods we had a pretty decent fall Mm -hmm. it wasn't terrible it was cooler in the and it was nice taking in my opinion graves in the fall because it was still warm enough that people were out doing dumb you know dumb shit so i but so i kind of wonder anyway if um if it was pitched like hey like it's you know it's time for bids maybe you know whoever does the schedule Maybe just emails like the most senior guy says, all right, it's time for bids, make your bid. Then he bids what he wants, and then he puts it to the second (coughs) one saying, it's time for bids. Uh, You know, number one took took this shift. Yeah, we put put basically um, the shift, you know, one, two, three, and four. Mm -hmm. One and two were front side, days and graves, respectively. Mm -hmm. Three, four, same, back side. They had the sergeant slot. Sergeants would write their names in there, 
Um, and they everybody talk about this. Yeah, They'd put yeah. it up like a month in advance. And everybody, like we had guys taking up the whiteboard at the detective's office. Like this is where we think everybody's going to bid. It was a thing. It was like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like draft day. Yeah. You yeah. know, who's going to bid where. Who whose buddy is gonna bid with this buddy and all that? So what they did though is they just and then they'd have shift one, they'd have their four officers, shift two, four officers, three, four, four officers. Yeah. If they had what they started doing, because all of our FTOs were kind of grouping together, like I was an FTO, mm-hmm. uh, two of my three of my, my entire shift was basically all the FTOs except yeah. you know now that I think about it, except one other dude. Um, so they tried to split those up with one FTO on each shift. They yeah. also wanted our FTOs as like corporals, which is yeah, what well, it is. Well, because, well, it seems, uh, <coughs> it sounds, makes sense. Sounds, well, it sounds to me like <coughs> they wanted you guys to have the, the leadership responsibilities. Yes, the, it was specifically. The somewhat supervisory responsibilities yeah, without actually paying you. It was, it. well, the, the point behind it was in order to, um, qualified to promote to sergeant you had to have four years of experience Mm -hmm. and either time as an fto or time as an instructor Mm. um the easiest way to do that was to be an fto or at least the most the easiest way to get the most education out of it was be an fto did you guys actually have like official like corporal spots or uh they did before i was hired and it got phased it. out. Yeah, yeah, it as people promoted, it got phased out. Yeah. So, um, and then the FTOs just and I did get extra pay. Like I got a dollar per diem or whatever it's called per hour. Per hour, yeah. Like, so in total, it, or I only, went from no, I went from you were training twenty one fifty to twenty two fifty only while I was training. Okay, um, that's not bad though. No. It worked for me. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't care. But I didn't care. I was getting, like, a crap load of overtime, too, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if I, you know, when I was a Phase 1 FTO. Because mm-hmm. um, they were staying, they were constantly. Like, I was always two, three hours of overtime every day. Yeah. Uh, but what we'd do is we'd slap that up, and then so it would have the shifts and the blanks yeah. so that people could write their name in and know where everybody was going. And then it had a list of... Where uh, it, it, they listed the officers by seniority, okay, so that there wasn't really a question uh, if people were hired together, um, and then they pulled our canines, which you guys don't deal with the canines, so it's not a big deal. We only had two, I think they have three now, but they only yeah. had two at the time, and so they just they did like a ten hour shift. One did front sides, one did back sides, and then every they just other did Wednesday. They like their own like mid shift. Yeah, or... they did a mid shift, and then every other Wednesday, one one would work on Wednesday. The other one would go up to um, do canine training because they had like a, they had like sixteen hours of training a week that they have to do. It's insane. Yeah, what? Yeah, talk talk to your canine. No, yeah, I've I, I've talked I've worked with our he canine he does guy. He, I uh, I guarantee you he, he does, I don't think he does load. that much but I mean he does a lot of training but what he generally what, or it's like what, sixteen hours a month or something. what he does he tries to incorporate uh, training into his shifts yes so it's like we don't yeah. when, again smaller area when he's got no. downtime he's doing practice tracks and stuff like yeah, that yeah. so ours did that too I was constantly hiding dope in yeah. my squad car for. For the dog to come for our dog, and, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, um, is the DEA will 
give you a big, big yep, old box yep. of drugs. Yep. Speaking of uh, shift bidding, I want to tell a cool little story that has a little bit to do with shift bidding. Um, I when I was back home, I was uh, friends with a guy who worked for this department, and he was a sergeant there, and he uh, always bid for mids, always. And I just kind of asked him one day, we were talking about their, their bidding process. And I think he was the most, one of the most senior guys there. And I said, why do you always bid for mids? I said, you know, you're kind of getting a little older and, you know, I just kind of curious. Like, why wouldn't you just bid for days and kind of, you know, enjoy your time. And he goes, aside from having to work with admin all day. Yeah, dude. <laughs> he goes, no, but he goes, he goes, one of our sergeants is, he was a younger guy and obviously didn't have the seniority that the rest of them had, but he goes, his, uh, he's got kids at home and I guess his wife had passed several years oh, shit. Okay. prior. And so Way to tell a funny story. Jesus, well, it's Kyle. not a funny story, but it's a, <laughs> it's a heartwarming story. All the other sergeants got together and decided they were going to bid opposite shifts kind of forcing him to bid days so that he could be be with the family with his kids because awesome, yeah. he had to you know get them up get them to school get you know right. all this other stuff and so that it kind of worked out for him and i was like that's that's a cool story because you know the sad thing is, is i don't know if that would happen everywhere the sad you know? thing is is i think you're right and i don't think that would happen everywhere i think it happened at my old agency they yeah. would do that but not every not everywhere so we were even in you know my town yeah. Population of sixteen thousand. There were only thirty of us. Yeah. Uh, we're still considered a pretty small agency, mm-hmm. and so we were all still pretty tight. So yeah, I think my agency might have done that, but dude, like the agency that I was just applying for, they might not have done that. Yeah. Like they'd be like, screw that guy. He can figure his he own can shit figure out. It out. No idea. What anyway, hard about. edit. Yeah. Because we went and because I had to eat food. And now I'm tired and want to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, dinner was exhausting. I anyway, don't I don't know. Let's get on with the. Just, let's start just having show. conversation. So, yeah, we still don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, this show. I don't know what was the during idea? this shift change. What was the idea that you pitched? I don't know. We well in our weekly reload, we started talking about like kind of what we want, like how we kind of push our trainees to be good at communication and how good we, at it, if you will. Okay. Uh, and how kind of one of the things that we try to impart on our trainees or our OITs, officers in training, is that we take them or at least we take them to the bar so that they can learn how to talk to people. Because mm-hmm. that's like a really important skill. I think that's like and it's the one most of the important things skill. that most people do not have is mm-hmm. the skill to well, just randomly come up with conversation with somebody. In which I'm trying to think of which episode. I was just listening to a podcast. They had, they had a cop on this, this podcast and that was one of the things he was talking about was how like one of the most difficult things that he has seen in his time as an FTO is that um, 
his newer officers don't have that well, communication. Especially when all you well, do is stare at And that's your what he was saying. That's what he was saying was we're stuff. getting into this generation, this <clears throat> internet generation is starting to get into the workforce yeah. where this first generation is coming up that has only ever had the internet and only had They've never had to talk cell to somebody phones face and to face. Email and electronic communications and the uh that experience of interpersonal communication is just not there anymore. Right. You know, and, and I, that's, I'm and sorry, bro, but if you're, if you're a person who struggles with interpersonal communications, you're going to struggle in this job. Yeah. Cause that's something you can't really be that shy. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's like your number one thing. I mean, you've got pens, you've got guns, you've got handcuffs. The number one tool at your disposal that you're going to use on a constant basis is your mouth. It's your mouth. Yeah. And talking to people. You're going to talk people out of fighting you, going to jail. You're going to talk people off that, you know, that proverbial ledge. You're yeah. going to... Well, and you know, it's kind of like... That awkward conversation um, it's kind while of you're like, waiting for somebody's clearance to come yeah. back to see if they've got a warrant. Yeah. It's kind of like that, um, you know, point that... I think we had discussed this before where like, you know, in this job, you, there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so you can show up to any, any call. You can give two officers the exact same scenario and they're going to do things a little bit differently. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, so you, you can think about that, you know, in the context of, um, of communications and think about like how, so I can go into a call. I can say I can go into a domestic, right? Yep. Um, I can go into a domestic with uh, superior communication skills, or I can go in, you know, uh, just like a robot, not be able to talk to anybody, and just walk in, get just the facts, get you know, just the the statement from the victim, right? You know, I arrest can, arrest your suspect and be done with it. I can almost guarantee you in if the, in that hypothetical situation. That you are going to have a really, you're going to really struggle being the robot. You're going to struggle with getting enough PC for an arrest. So, and so you're not going to get everything here's from the, point, the victim. Here's the point that I was getting at. Anyway, though, sorry. The fact that, you know, you can walk note. in, you can walk in, your victim will be obviously injured. You know, yep. um, you know, you can, you can piece together enough to make an arrest, you know, arrest your bad guy, go up to the office, do your report, whatever. But you are going to miss the details that are going to make the difference in that case. Absolutely. Because who knows, who, who's not in law enforcement, you know, who knows that it's a, uh, it's a separate crime to, uh, to disrupt a 911 call. Who right. knows that it's an it's a enhancing element to try and choke somebody. Like it's, a, you know, who, Does that the make victims your... don't know that. Right. Does that, just side note question, does that, uh, does choking... Up it to felony. To felony. Yep. Yes. Okay. Does and so, in Colorado too. So. Yeah. But so it's like Sorry. you need to know to fish those questions out right. of your victim. Right. And you're not steering them in a particular direction, but you need to know what questions to ask to get the full picture of what happened. Right. Out of them. And so there's that aspect of it. There's the aspect of, so say... You know, you walk into this house and you're just a robot with no personality. You're not able to talk to anybody and your suspect is less than compliant. 
my my theoretical here is the point that so say you can't communicate with this guy and get him to comply with you at the end of the day like you're going to end up using force now is that force would that force be justified under the law sure probably you're trying to place right. him under arrest he's right. resisting your you can commands use reasonable force you can use reasonable force arrest. to affect this arrest that's that's fine the, where you get into an issue though is when you know every single one of your calls Ends up, in a contacts, use of ends up in a use of force. Some some people are going to start looking at your stats, going, "Uh, mm. uh this guy's had, yeah. you know, he's had, he's been at okay." So his last week long stretch, he's had a hundred calls and he's had eighty five use of force reports. We got a problem here. Oh you yeah, know, you're not right. going to last long in this job. Um, and the thing that I don't understand is. And maybe it's just my experience of being in a smaller department, but uh, we don't always have backup readily available. Yeah, I've I, had to that talk. drives me crazy. I've had to but... talk my way out of fights before, just knowing oh, like yeah. I don't have backup, or my backup's a ways out. My backup's on the other side of the county, or I got to call somebody out to come help me. Like, or it's a trooper. Yeah, forty-five like, minutes out. Right, or something. And, and so it's like you know I've had my fair share of situations where I've had to talk myself out of a fight. Like I don't ever want to fight anybody. Dude, I'm too old and right. fat to be fighting people. Right. But, and so then look at, look at the, um, in the context of, you know, your traffic stops or your, your interdiction or whatever. Like, I don't know too many cops that do, uh, are, that are just strictly like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to enforce, you know, I'm going to do radar or speed enforcement because I like writing tickets. Right, I don't know a single cop that's like that. <laughs> I do, but well, yeah. Um, but so the point that I'm making though is, you know, you're you're. It's kind of twofold. You're enforcing the law, yeah. You're enforcing traffic law, he and can... you're trying to find underlying crimes. Right. You're not gonna find any of that if you can't talk to people. Right. My so my old supervisor used to go out and get that ticket. Right. That's what he mm-hmm. wanted. But he sure could sell you that ticket. Like, you know, you know. Well, and that's, that's a thing. thing. That's though. another thing, too. If you don't want how many complaints, complaints over dumb shit do you All the get? time, right? If you know how to sell a ticket. That like, guy was rude. Well, yeah. you, you were driving 20 miles over the speed limit in a school zone. Like right. What? <laughs> but so, yeah. you know, you got to look at if I can build a rapport with somebody in that five minutes that I've got them pulled over. And say I'm going to write them a ticket, but I walk up and say, hey, look, I didn't write you for your seatbelt. I didn't write you for a fail to signal, but I did write you for your speed. It's, you know, it's your ticket's going to be $130 instead of being $200, whatever it is. Like, right. That's kind of how you sell it. But there's, I think there's a lot of people out there that have not had that experience of that face-to-face contact where they're just like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to talk to people. So here's your ticket. How long did it take for you to get that, like, become proficient at the very least? Oh God, in I would skill. I still end up like tripping over my having words that on awkward calls. like, uh, do you have words? No. Okay, we're just gonna stand here and wait. Yeah. I get that every once in a while too, but it it took me it took me a few a few. Very busy months to mm-hmm. kind of figure out how to, th- and that was after thirteen years of like security. Yeah, it. So. I think a lot of it came, like I said, it came from my experience in working the in the jail. Um, oh. But a lot of it is your comfort level in the job, right? Yes, like when you know, I agree with that. when you know what you're doing, your you confidence. know the law, you know how things are going to go. That general confidence level. 
all of a sudden you can talk to somebody. You know, you if you're <coughs> if you're familiar, intimately familiar with the legal system, and you're sitting there talking to a domestic victim, it's a lot easier for me to sit here and go, all right, listen, you know, here's what's going to happen. You know, I'm sorry, like you know, your your husband was placed under arrest for domestic assault. Here's how the process is going to work. He's going to go to jail for the night. He's going to have court in the morning. It'll probably be around 10 a.m. Right. Um, here's the phone number for the court, so you can find out exactly what time his court is. Um, you know, they they have to notify you before he gets released. They have to do this. They have to do that. Here's the phone number for the victims and help crime make victims, victims advocate. Here's the, here's my business card. Like here's in in a couple months. Here's going to be this part. This this part. Here's how you get a um a restraining order. Here's how you right. you know it makes them feel like you're competent. Right. And on it the, makes them on the flip side of that. If you, speaking of being intimately knowledgeable in the legal system, knowing like the your crim code your criminal code mm-hmm. and knowing the elements of different you know crimes, crimes yeah. and stuff you can start to when you start building that rapport with a potential suspect uh rapport um and you can start like navigating through some of the information that you need versus don't need mm-hmm. if uh all of a sudden the conversation is starting to turn towards baseball we could bring it back a little mm-hmm. bit um Talking to somebody about something, and you can ask a question. Be like, "Oh, well, was did it make you feel like was that, you know, mm-hmm. arousing? Was it?" And then you you start to because sometimes, especially in like sexual assaults and stuff, mm-hmm. or um, let's see, Colorado had indecent exposure, and then yeah. it had like something I can't I can't remember, but the difference is sexual gratification. And uh, if you start asking, like, well, what did that mean to you? Like, oh, yeah, but I bet it was, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, that starts oh. to, you can start directing and well, steering and a conversation That's one of the more difficult Picking ones. up elements and stuff. Well, that's one of the more difficult ones for, like, look at your, um, you know, kind of disorderly type of laws. Where sure, yeah. Specific words in there. You know, you can't walk up to your victim and be like, hey, was, did this guy, did do you feel like this guy was disorderly? Like they're gonna be like, uh, yeah, yeah. And then like, okay, but what does that mean? What does that mean to you? Like, no. When you know the words and the elements of that crime specifically, and now you can start asking them, like, you know, how did you feel when this happened? And now you can piece together whether this qualifies for this type of crime. Right. You know, it's just it's 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 important. important It's important, like. Those harassment versus assault when yep. somebody mm-hmm. in Colorado if it didn't cause bodily injury mm-hmm. like if I walked up we were in downtown like Denver and, and you walked up and shoved me mm-hmm. the difference between harassment and assault are is basically bodily injury mm-hmm. what is bodily injury according to the definition of the state state's mm-hmm. definition of bodily injury in, in Colorado is ouch Right, mm-hmm. if it caused some sort of pain, yeah, it's hard to walk up and ask like a dude, "Hey, did that hurt?" Right, because they want to be like, "Oh, no, no fine, yeah. but the you know, yeah, I, and that that's another one like for like your assault or like domestic assault or whatever, like right, you know, at least here you can get an assault charge without the actual physical contact. Even you know, you can be. Uh, pretty much assaulted by fear. 
Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, isn't so, that like fifth degree? Well, and or so like it's it's interesting because there's been times where it's actually I I, I understand the purpose of it, um, where you know if you're threatening, like plausibly threatening bodily harm, especially in like a domestic assault type of situation, you're like, yeah, I'm I'm definitely glad we have this tool in our tool belt. Right. Um, one of the difficult things about it is you know. You, you can't really just walk up to your victim and be like, were you in fear? Right. right. You got you to gotta be able to articulate. Yeah, how, did, like, how did that make you, know, you feel? When like... this, when this person was doing this or saying this or acting this way, were you, were you in fear of being harmed? Did you believe that they were capable of harming you? Did you believe that you were going to be harmed? Right. Like you got to be able to build that rapport and then word those questions very carefully so that they right. are able to, give you the answers that you need in another way that uh just being verbally sound or whatever being good at communication is at it if you will um is knowing when the time like when is a good time to be blunt Mm -hmm. one of the things that i learned is nobody likes talking to suicidal people Mm -hmm. nobody like it because it's so uncomfortable because suicide still in today's society, such a taboo subject. Yeah. Um, there are times where it's the best thing you can do is point blank ask somebody, "Are you going? To are kill you? Yourself? Yep. Yep. Are you or going to kill yourself? How do you are want you to planning to kill yep. yourself? Or, or have you ever tried to kill yourself before? Some people appreciate the yep. blunt, like the mo- being that forward like hey this guy's legitimately going to talk and, to me about this and i'll tell people too like you know if it's one of those ones where i don't really think it's there or something i'll just say like hey it's gonna be a little weird but you know i gotta ask you do you do you want to hurt yourself or right. do you want to kill yourself you know and sometimes they'll just kind of laugh be like oh no god no i'm just having a bad day or, right or sometimes they'll look you dead in the eyes and be like yeah i, I yeah I was, dude, I was thinking about it i'm thinking about killing myself yeah, yeah like that and that's happened and i've had both of those where the guy's just like oh god no like, i'm just having a really bad day i lost yeah. my job and then i've had other people crying in the back of my squad car like i want to kill myself yeah. i keep getting pictures of my wife's you know yeah. blowing this other dude All right. <laughs> you know and it's true story like okay. someday we'll have a beard talk about that one i i uh, i won't talk about it on here because yeah. you know but um, but yeah that's a legit a, thing and there's other times too where it's like you know i sometimes with drunk people you kind of got to just beat around the bush until you you know get to that point. yeah but there's so other it depends, times it depends on the drunk person though because there are times yeah where sometimes with a drunk person they don't get it yeah and you you got to be blunt like we're going okay to jail. dude you, yeah we're going to jail sometimes you know it is what you got to do that sometimes um good communication skills will help you understand that um uh, De-escalation is possible in about 99% of cases, uh, yeah. but it'll also help you recognize that 1% where mm-hmm. there's no time to talk. Well, and I've had situations where, you know, this is one of my go-to lines, and because it's not a bullshit line, it's it's the truth. And I'll say to people, like, where we're, you kind of get to that impasse where you're, you're like, you know, we're talking, what if, say, it's a, I don't know, suicidal or something, right? And... We're talking, 
you know, I get the elements that I need and we're at that decision point where it's like, okay, we're, you know, we're going on a hold. Like we need to go and get you some help. And, uh, they don't want to go, you know, they're just saying, Nope. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not going to the hospital. And I will do, I, this is kind of my go-to line is, and I will tell them like, you know, you've been, you've been polite or cordial with me or whatever. Um, I will extend you that same respect. Um, I will do what I can to make this process easier for you. But at the end of the day, there's nothing that you can do or say that's going to change what is happening. And what is happening is that we are going to go here or we're doing this or we're whatever. Nope. Unfortunately, we're, you know, I understand that you don't, you don't want to go to jail tonight and I will do what I can to make this process as painless for you as possible, figuratively. But at the end of the day, there's nothing that you can do or say that's going to change the fact that you are under arrest and we are going right. to jail tonight. Yep. I, and I've had to have that conversation with like suicidal people. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that I think about it, I've had that conversation a couple times. Sometimes yeah. it's not a, it's not a that, cry for help. It is like somebody found out like, yeah, my, my, my buddy wants to kill himself yeah. and you respond and they're just like, no, leave me alone. I'm just going to go and drink a bottle yeah. of vodka down all these pills. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, I've more, it works for me more times than not. Yeah. And sometimes they struggle a little bit, but yep. I, eventually they realize like, okay, this is happening and I just need to come to terms with it. Yeah. It's, it's, sorry, bro. I know this sucks. I know you're having a bad I day. I I'm going like, to do everything I can to help you out. But I don't, at the end of the day, we're going, you're going to the yeah. hospital one way or another, mm-hmm. whether you fight me or not, yep. you're going to the hospital. I, I don't like this like any more than you happen? do. But this is like, the point this is that your we're at. Choice. This is what happens. I would like you yep. to make, you know, and I, I will still, like, I've found that I get a lot of success in yep. making it seem like it's still their choice. Like, yep. at the end of the day, how you want to go is going to well, be and, how we you, go. you got to remember that, you know, you just showed up in somebody's world, and now right. their world is changing drastically, and it's out of their control. Yeah. And so I Which do can think, be incredibly, like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and I do think that giving them choices within the scope of what needs to happen. Sure, yeah. You can't be like, well, like, I can leave. Right. Because that's you know, not an option. That's why, like, a lot of people, some people kind of lose that sense of, like, and I walk a fine line, too, because I hate when, like, other cops pander to criminals or to... Right, difficult people or whatever, but I will throw choose your battles. I will throw options out there, right? Like absolutely, um, you know, if a guy's being cooperative and he, you know, we're going to jail, and he goes, he's like, man, can I just make a call? Like, I need, or can I, I, can Can I I get a cigarette? Can I have have one more cigarette? I'll say, you know what, man, you've been you've you've been been cool cool with me. Keep being cool. We'll get you. So long as we're not in any kind of a hurry. If they've been cool. Yep. I will let them have a cigarette behind yep. my car. Yep. They're not go- coming out of handcuffs. Yeah, I'll hold their. I got. I've got patrol gloves. I'll hold a cigarette for them. I don't care. Yeah. Um, yep. But um, yeah, give them. Get let them let them make a phone call before they go into their cell or whatever. Right. Like a lot of them know. Like yeah, they'll get their call from the jail, but. It's gonna When's be it gonna be? Out? Yeah. yeah, you know. And he's like, "Hey, my wife's at home with the kids. Like, I just, you know, she's gonna be pissed, but I gotta let her know so she doesn't freak out. Like, all right, just kind of make it quick, you know." Sweet. Yeah. 
Uh, excuse little, me, little it's been a long day. Little things that you can give and take to just star do. six seven that stuff too, man. Because yeah. I use like oh, I'll I don't do give like, them my oh, phone. Yeah. No, I even my work phone. I don't I'll give s- them any of my phones. If they have oh. their phone, and they want to make a call. That's fine. Oh but. yeah, I don't mind. I don't. I let. Them I won't use give the work them my phone. phone. I don't, I don't care. Because I, I do know, I've seen people snap at the flip of a switch, and I don't want my phone in a thousand pieces on the ground. Not my phone. My phone stays in the car. My work right. phone is covered. Right. I understand that. But, Again, you know, they're not coming it, out of handcuffs How long is it going to be until you get a new work phone? You know what I mean? Well. I'm just saying. I just don't. I just, you open yourself up to issues. Not so. having to take a complaint over the phone? I mean. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No. But again, that just gauges. Uh, you still gauge. You gotta. You gotta. You know, yeah. No, common I, I sense kind of dictates that. But. But oh my God! What a great transition into our next point, though. Common freaking sense. Oh, they don't offer that in college anymore. No, it's not a class anymore. Oh. It was a class. I, I learned how to tap a keg in college, <laughs> but apparently, common sense is. I just yeah. Common it, sense three hundred one. It's it's kind of like. It's so, frustrating because there's nuances, doctoral right? Doctoral level. There's yeah. not, there's not a statute or a policy for every single element of this job, and sometimes you just got to use your common sense, you know. And I'll have like uh, newer officers will be like, "Well, what, what if this happens? What should I do?" And I, you know, and I've I I need to kind of be a little better at directing them to think for themselves without kind of being a jerk about it. Right. Because it, sometimes, so what, it, sometimes what it turns into I'll... like, well, I don't know. What do you think you should do? Well, yeah. Don't be a dick about uh, it. Because right. that's generally how I turn that is, well, well um, what do I do in this situation? Well, let's think about that. What what should you do in that situation? Yeah. What, you know, what do you think uh, would be the best course of action? Having... Uh, common sense will come with a little bit of logic and some critical thinking. Um, in my opinion, if you can't come to a logical conclusion in any given state, like that's kind of an issue and you should probably fix that. There are ways of fixing that. Just learning, just read a book on logical, logical thinking or critical thinking. There are books out there. Hell, Amazon's full of them. Um, but, but just basic common just sense. Basic like, common sense. Or things like and another another good one is like just life experience. Yes. Like how to do basic things like, you know, you roll up on somebody who's got a blown tire and you don't know how to change a tire. It's right. Like, you know, yeah, it's not expected of you to change a tire, but you know, it's a hell of a way to what build the... rapport yeah. and, and you know community relations. You know, every every taxpaying citizen loves driving by and seeing an officer helping a you know helpless old lady change her tire on the side of the road. Dude, my agency, w- what we did was, and not everybody was down with it. I liked it. I was down with it because, in my opinion, that's a really good uh, community service or yeah. community oriented policing. Community uh, policing is we would take pictures. Like if if we knew one of our officers was out, like. Mm-hmm. changing a tire for somebody on the side of the road, I'd run out there, take a picture, and send it to our our like social media person and be mm-hmm. like, hey, throw this on the internet. The love that we would get yep. on the, you know, it, it that's uh, probably a topic for another day, this community policing 
my my quick two cents on that is, dude, I'm not because. I'm big on community policing. I'm oh, yeah. big on, on going to lemonade stands and yeah. putting that on the internet. I think that social media is a tool that can be used. And a lot of people complain about it. Like, well, why are you trying to change a criminal's mind? Um, I'm not. I'm trying to get maybe some of these people who see the news yeah. and think that we're all a bunch of yeah. bastards. Uh, you know, it's... I put that stuff out there. I, you know, I wanted it on there because it changes their minds. Plus, it shows kids that we're not a bunch of, you know, yeah. robots. Yeah. So. Well, and I think too, like, I think the flip side of that is, you know, uh, doing things for more than just. I don't want to say publicity, but, you know, doing things for more than just recognition. You know, because yeah. either way, like I understand know, it, that side of the argument too. Like we should be doing these things, like I get regardless of whether it goes on the internet. But I get a little irritated because it's like you know, you know, and I, I like seeing these things. I'm kind of torn on it. I, I don't. I shouldn't even really say that. But like, so you flip open Facebook and you see a picture of a cop, you know, drinking lemonade from a lemonade stand, and it's like. It's like, cool, it's great. I'm glad this is out there. I'm glad people are seeing that. But there's, you know, thousands of cops every day doing that. Well, there's that's thousands true. of cops changing a tire. Or there's, you know, when you see a big article about a cop runs into a burning building and saves little old lady, it's like, yeah, this is this is happening everywhere. That's you know? true. But the majority of people don't see it. Right. And so if we're going to change kind of the narrative that all these, like CNN yeah. and the New York Times and all these assholes... Um, are saying about us and ACAB and we're all yeah. a bunch of bitches and yeah. all this, you know, we have to be the ones putting it out yeah. there on some. No, of I, I get that. I get that. It's just, you know, like, like one of the things that one of my points on this topic is that like our community is big on kind of recognition. I don't want to call them awards, but recognition type of things for, Say if you uh, like if you work a cardiac arrest or something. Uh-huh. I know a few people, and, and I'm not like absolutely not knocking the officers or the responders that were involved in like these cardiac arrest situations. But you know, there's I know several people that have little recognition things for working a cardiac arrest, and I kind of look at it like, you know, I, I've I've worked my fair share of cardiac arrests. You know, it's like I I just don't. Well, it's nice when the boss gives you an attaboy, though. Well, yeah, yeah. And I think that it's definitely a plus, but it's either we're going to do it or we're not going to do it. You know, it's kind of one of those things where, like, let's, I I don't know. Yeah, we're also not medical professionals. It really isn't in the job description. Well. We're there to, you know. We are, I mean, we are. Provide, uh. Scene safety. We, we do have to do CPR. I mean, we're all required sure. to be okay. trained. We have to have AEDs. I mean, we are. There's an obligation there to do CPR. But the fact of the matter is that if people actually knew the statistics of survivability and in, in, uh, pre-hospital cardiac arrest are so bad, isn't it under ten percent or something? Doesn't doesn't I having an AED bring it up to ten percent okay. or something like that? Do not quote me on this because it's been a very long time since I read this study. I believe it's like 
uh, lay rescuer, like non-trained lay rescuer CPR is like, I think it's like 3%. And then you have uh, trained rescuer CPR without an AED, I think it's like maybe 5, 5%, something like that. And you have trained rescuer CPR with an AED. And again, keep in mind, I'm really just guessing these statistics because I don't, I don't have the info in front of me right at the moment. I want to say trained rescuer CPR with an AED is maybe ten to twelve percent survivability. That's where you start, where you start actually making significant differences is kind of that ALS intervention. Yeah, where you've got paramedics, you've got. You know, epinephrine, atropine, you're placing right. airways, you're getting IO drills in, you know. That's where I think you're actually statistically, you know, going to do better. Um, sure. No. But how long is it taking for an ALS unit to get to that location? It depends on your location yeah. or your municipality. You're or pretty much just m- mitigating until your ALS jurisdiction. gets there. So... I guess I see what you're saying. Like it's your job; you should just do it. And I'm not. Again, I'm, I'm not arguing. I that would we just agree. Have like recognition. you should I have just... absolutely. You should be recognized for the outstanding. If you save somebody's life, mm-hmm. you should be recognized for it because mm-hmm. that 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 puts out the uh, mindset and... that you're actually like accomplished. Because let's be honest, especially in today's day, like we're getting shit on a lot. Yeah. Like a lot, lot, and we're ha- and and in our profession right now, for some reason, we have admin right there with them shitting on us, mm-hmm. and so having uh, having supervisors in some, in put in a, in a lot of cases. Yeah. I mean, come on, it's Minneapolis PDs, chief oh, of police, yeah, no. But I lays do know, down with his hands behind his back in the middle of a crowd of But I do know a lot of protesters where the chief does have their back, you know. Sure. Um, My agency the chief had our backs, but we also were recognized for doing a good job. Yeah. So um I think it goes hand in hand. Yeah. And maybe maybe the bigger point that I was trying to make is maybe we as a collectively as a profession could do a better job at recognizing like um you're not going to save them all. No, and that's that, true. I've no. worked exactly one cardiac case. Mm-hmm. And it was more of a... Like, I knew. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that yeah. this was to make it look good until, yeah. you know, EMS um, got there. But it was still nice when we debriefed uh, at the annex that my supervisor was like, dude, you did an awesome job. Mm-hmm. Kept calm. Made sure the scene was safe. You got that one chick with her fingers down that dude's throat up to her knuckles. Got out of there. Yeah. And maybe it's just, like I said, like it, it's frustrating because it's, I've, I've worked. I, I don't, I don't know the number. Like it's been a lot. It's, it's you know, from my time on the ambulance. Well, I was going to say you were an EMT and, and everything. And, too, but even, so. even in, in, in a law enforcement capacity, you know, we're always the first ones there. And you're always trying to, you know, figure it out. But you, you get emotionally invested into it. And I think really the irritating part is that, you know, uh, 
there's not a ton of, you know, we do debriefs, but when do you do a debrief? You know, when it's a kid or when it's a mass casualty or when it, you know. That depends on your agency and how the culture is in your agency and how you guys deal with it. Because, yeah, we do them after, like, if it's a regular, if there's something special about it. Like, I had a guy who I ended up uh, cutting down. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an attempted suicide who ended up, I ended up cutting him down and cut, he like really tried hard too. Yeah. Like I had to cut the ratchet strap out from underneath like fat folds in his neck and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which I was recognized for going above and beyond on that, which made me feel like, Hey dude, maybe I'm doing a really good job. Yeah. Um, but we did a debrief on that because it was unique it was a unique situation Situation. like if you go to um it's your fourth domestic of the night Mm -hmm. we're not going to debrief that not unless something interesting you know well and and different happened maybe maybe the thing that i'm thinking of and i'm i'm really not trying to complain as much as say like you know maybe it's something we need to just reevaluate as a culture but i think maybe the one way to lay out the mindset that I have is is this. So I've worked, I've worked so many cardiac arrests. I don't know the number. It's obviously it's not like hundreds, but it's I'd say it's a definitely lot. double digits. Um, it's probably a couple dozen, and I've had exactly one debrief. Yeah, you know that I've been a part of, and so I. I think that the culture needs to maybe change a little bit where we're starting to think about like, Hey, you know, these, we're not robots, we're people, you know, we get into this job to help people and yeah, it does bother us when, when we lose someone. Right. You know, a little bit, maybe that's, so we do ARs after action reports. That's what our debriefs are. Like what was the call? What happened? What should have happened? Like, how can we fix this? How can we fix is there some training that we can do or suggest to the agency that would solve a problem that maybe we had? Um, we had, since you're kind of talking about it, or at least it made me think about counseling and stuff, we had like peer counselors. Mm-hmm. Certain officers within the agency were given um, extra training yeah. uh, or a little, like a four hour class on kind of understanding. Yeah trauma stuff like that and then um i absolutely 100 percent advocate um outside the agency assistance yeah with like counselors and stuff or psychiatrists because we we see some shit like i struggled a little bit with the guy that man he really wanted to kill himself um and i struggled with that a little bit um so Having, like, someone to talk to kind of helps with yeah, that. Yeah, and Being I think... Being recognized by your agency, like, you did an awesome job on that, don't let it fuck with yeah. you, kind of helps a little bit. Though I don't think that's as important as having... Yeah. Like, I talk to my mom and stuff, and my wife and stuff, so... Yeah. Friends. I don't talk to you, though. You suck. Yeah, you suck. <laughs> but, Cause, uh... Because I'm... I'm part of the problem and i'll be the one you know and you're like yeah i worked cardiac arrest today i'll be like oh dude awesome tell me about it you know right instead of being like how does that make you feel no but i think that 
that response though is kind that's of what you like, would kind no. of expect. Like, yeah. oh, that was yeah. awesome. How do you do? Like, I did really good, and it makes you kind of reflect. You're still on talking. It's still, about yeah, it, you you're know? still talking about it and stuff. Yeah. Well, and you know, brings we'll, it back around to well, I your think communication we, skills. Most, uh, <laughs> I think most places you'll find kind of an impromptu debrief after most interesting calls anyway you know yeah like, yeah for the most part which you know, is a you, good thing because it'll at least aid you in saying okay this is a deficiency that we're having in mm-hmm. training we need to address mm-hmm. it let me ask you something have you ever done this um like a multi <laughs> probably but only once <laughs> like a multidisciplinary, like a call that you know it's it's you, it's EMS, fire, whatever, and it's just a weird something different. You know, maybe not bad. Like Big Charlie Foxtrot. Yeah. Um. And have you ever just kind of gotten everybody involved, like right at the end of it, like, hey, let's 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 huddle up quick and just chat about how that went, what our thoughts are, what we could have done better, what uh, you know. So, yeah. Um. I never had like a, a legitimate real world call on, you know, requiring fire and EMS outside of like structure fires, mm. uh, because EMS shows up to as you know yeah. all fire calls, yeah. all structure fires and stuff like that. Um, we did do we did so my agency was really big on uh, mass casualty training. Like, I mean, like, once a year we would do a scenario where it's, like, a mass. We did an active, generally active, excuse me, I'm sorry, active killer mm-hmm. uh, scenarios. One year we had it at a school, mm-hmm. like our high school. I think that was last year. Uh, the year before that, we had it at the hospital. And what we would do after these scenarios is, you know, depending on where we were, we'd go to a place where we could all get together, kind of talk about what was expected, what we expected, what fire expected, what EMS was expected, and then what actually happened and how we can, you know, correct this. Um, Like for the school, uh, we went to the auditorium in the school and had this massive debrief. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think that's important, you know, not so much for the, you know, touchy-feely, you know, stuff, but more so the, let's get everybody on the same page. Yeah, you know, we'll do that, and my agency will do that after a really big call. Mm -hmm. We'll do that with uh, dispatchers as well. Mm -hmm. Like, if there was a really gnarly... Mm -hmm. Like dispatch heard somebody get murdered Dude, or something. That, and that's such that's such an important point that you bring up because I think dispatch is involved they, in that call too. Dispatch, they are they're so often they're forgotten. Yeah, and I agree with that. Our dispatchers Absolutely. are you know specifically here. Our dispatchers are great, and it's so easy to forget about them, especially having been a dispatcher myself. It's like you know you take this call, you send your friends, yep, to this call. You don't know what happened. You don't know what they're doing. You don't know, you know, all you get is that status check, and that's about it. Yeah. And then they clear, and you never know what happened. You never know, you know, you know, my friend that I sent to this call just fought for his life against this bad right. guy. And it was like, I wasn't even, I couldn't help him. I couldn't, you know. Right. There was nothing I could do because I, I didn't either, I didn't know it was happening because right. I don't know about you, but when I'm fighting over my gun, mm-hmm. I'm generally not on the radio. Right. Um, you know, and I don't. Or I'm on the radio screaming and. 
everybody and their mom is coming to yeah. help me. Or... And, you know, so, like, I don't I don't talk a ton about this. I can't really get into details. But, like, I was dispatching uh, during an officer-involved shooting. Yeah, I remember and, you um, saying something about that. You know, you want to talk about helpless. Right? Holy shit, like, right? I wasn't, I wasn't a cop at the time. I was, you know, in that process but it wasn't you know a cop and it was just but it was still that mindset you know like these are my friends in this situation and they're calling for help like you know one at gunpoint or whatever and you're just sitting there like your heart's beating through your chest and you're just like i i, I can't what what else can i do what can i do in in my world that can help them because there's no i can't be there right because I, I can't be them. there to you know help freaking solve that problem yeah yeah, yeah. i couldn't so, imagine like i would have to be it was, doing a hundred miles an hour down the road. Like, it was hard coming. It was hard. It was the most the most difficult part for me was just the just sitting there, just sitting there. Gawk. You know, couldn't do it. After I you have, couldn't do it. You got everybody paged. You got everybody. You know, going there that needs to be there, and everything's kind of everything's in its place. And you're just like, what else? What else can I do? You know how how can I help? my friends get through this situation. Yeah. You know, it was one of the most difficult. I, I would say it was probably the most difficult night of my life. And it's, it's weird because it's like, I wasn't even there, you know, right? it's like, I, I don't even, I can't imagine what they were going through. Right. You know, that's craziness. Yeah. So, um, but I just think involving dispatch in, it's in your so easy to stuff, forget about dispatch. It has to happen. You gotta do it because there are some things, that uh, dispatch doesn't think of that I know a lot of officers will be like, God, you know, I really wish that uh, during this critical incident or even during this, you know, call specifically, I wish they would have done this. I've called my dispatchers up and been like, hey, you know, one of the things that I need to know when I'm going to say a suicidal subject is if they have any weapons. Right. Like, do I need to know. I need you guys. I know it's weird to ask, but I need you to ask specifically how you intend to kill yourself because if they're like well i'm gonna wait until the cop gets here and then i'm gonna charge him right uh i need to know that shit, yeah. you know yeah so i'm gonna take a bunch of pills versus i'm gonna shoot it out with the cops yes two very different scenarios very different scenarios um, dispatch though i think the point here is dispatch is just as much involved in your calls yeah. as you are yep and you know just because if, they're not there doesn't mean that they're not there if you're if you're out there working and um, you, the next time you're in like a difficult or complex or just a bigger call, when you're done, go up to your dispatcher and just say, hey, you did a great job. Thank yeah, you. dude. Thank you. Especially if yeah. they actually did a great job. Yeah. Make sure that if, if your dispatchers let, do let them know. an they awesome might not... job, they need to know. Because uh, I've done that. I've Yeah. Um, because we weren't allowed to go up to our dispatch center. We had a regional dispatch center, oh, though. Dumb, yeah. Um Which but was in town, which em, is nice. Shoot them an IM. Shoot yeah. an email. Call, call, call them up. Just say, you know, Yo, hey, you, hey, you rocked this call. Like, fucking yeah, awesome. Dude, you I, killed it. Another thing that, you know, I've done, and I don't know, I don't know if the follow-through was ever there, but I'll, like, either a dispatcher or a fellow officer, a deputy, whatever, like, if, if they do a good job you know I, i've had like with my partners right like they'll they'll do a really good job on something and i'll shoot the chief an email and be like hey this, hey, this, this guy dude, rocked it yeah he rocked it on this call you know i feel like it would probably mean a lot to him if you pulled him in and was like hey heard you did a really good job with this you know right keep it up especially when dudes and dudettes from outside agencies start noticing that you're yep. rocking it yeah yeah 
I make sure that my dispatchers knew exactly how I was mm-hmm. feeling about that. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you're great. like, you texting them like, you need to get your effing head out of your ass because yeah. this is a no go. Yeah. And generally, I got that. Oh my, I'm so sorry. We got a new girl. You know, <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Tell her to get her shit together. And then there are other times where, hey, I need you. I'm coming up. Come let me in. And you go up to that brand new dispatcher who's it's her first night on the radio and she like killed it on a traffic yeah. stop i mean you did effing awesome you keep that shit up yep. and i've done both yeah probably to my supervisor's dismay because <laughs> like oh you're going to dispatch again jesus zach like yeah. now what no oh, it's cool i'm bringing donuts like <laughs> no it's cool yeah. um our dispatcher relationship, at least on my shift, was to the point where they were making us breakfast on like Saturday mornings. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's it's it's really important because you know, happy dispatcher, happy life. Oh yeah, right. You know? Oh, you are absolutely married to your dispatcher. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So. And if, if dispatch ain't happy, ain't, ain't no nobody happy. happy. Yeah. Did you uh? I you've got kind of a smaller dispatch center. So you probably rocking only one dispatcher for everybody in the county or what yeah um, for the most part they have a setup for a second but it's usually like a special occasion yeah or if something's going down they'll call a second one in but okay usually it's only i was one. just curious i've got so we have a dispatcher for each kind of agency in our county yeah uh sheriff's office would have their own dispatcher my pd had our a dispatcher and then like ems and fire would have a dispatcher yeah uh, but again, we were a regional center, so we'd also have a dispatcher for like the next county over and yeah. all that stuff too. And I totally had a point and I completely forgot what it was. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, now you know how the dispatch center worked. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah, sometimes I, I just, they'd rock it. Sometimes they would not. Yeah. But I, I just, liked my dispatch. It's, uh. Yeah, I, I do think it's important, though, to remember them because they are a part of the team. And if you're Absolutely. not going to be, there's no I in team. And if you're not going to be a part of the team, then go work somewhere else. Yeah, this isn't exactly the career field for that. Love your dispatchers. Love your EMS. Love yeah. your fire guys. Yeah. Because uh, they're the know, ones that if you get shot in the freaking chest and it misses some, you know, your yeah. armor, <laughs> they're the ones coming to save your ass. And if they don't like you. Uh, might not try a, as hard. <laughs> that's a problem, yo. Uh, you know, don't write your nurses tickets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they get kind of shitty about that yeah. when they're trying to plug a hole, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they plug your hole with their citation. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a rule. We didn't ticket uh, retired cops. We didn't ticket doctors and nurses. DOC was on their own, though. Yeah. No. <laughs> Corrections. We'd have to figure it out. <laughs> no, I, yeah, let's, oh, yeah, I'm kidding. So. Anyway, I suppose. I think we're you know, about done going here to bed. I'm freaking tired. So. What time did you wake up this morning, Kyle? 4 a.m. time is it, Kyle? 9 o'clock. <laughs> it's bullshit 30. That's what 9 it is. 9 p.m. <laughs> not a.m. I wish it was 9 a.m. <laughs> but it's not. Uh, and I yeah. have a pack schedule tomorrow, too, so it's going to be fun. I do, too. My 27-year-old brother is going for his driver's test tomorrow. Whatever. You what, know what? Dude, Good you know him. what? He's being responsible. He's finally like being responsible. So how, long cool. t- how long till he loses it? 
Uh, we'll talk offline about that. that. <laughs> All right. I don't know. It depends on... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Hit us up on the email, contact.shift.change.podcast or at, at gmail.com. Better, hit us up on Facebook. I need to, I don't know about you, man, but I need to get my shit together on that. Yeah, you, we got to start Shift Change Podcast. Uh, we need to start posting on that. Yeah, we need to be a little more active. But, you know, we'd be more active if you guys were more active. So Well, you know what's stupid, though, is I bet you they'd be more active if, if we, we were, were more active. active. Yeah, whatever. I feel so, like that's a thing. Email us about stuff you want to hear us talk about. Yeah, let us know. Or hit us up on the Facebook. Uh, or, straight up, like we're running out of Or ask, ask Zach, Zach's mom. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, that, so everybody knows that I work at Walmart. Yeah. Right? So my mom came over to Walmart today. Oh, God. And she, uh, she's screwing with me. She's trying to make me uh, mess up and stuff. And, she wanted to go because Walmart divides their doors at the moment because of Corona. And she wanted to go in the entrance. She wanted to leave through the entrance door. And so I'm like, God, whatever. Okay, fine. You know. I uh, So I pull this garbage can back. She couldn't even wait for me to, like, move the garbage can. <laughs> so, like, as she's, like, pushing past me, I just it, the entrance is packed. And I'm like... God, lady, I don't even know who you are. Why stop touching my butt? Like she's like freaking out. She's like, oh, what? What? I'm like, I don't even know who you are, lady. Stop touching my butt, yo. She's freaking out. It was funny. No, uh, that is funny. Yeah. Uh, so it's anyway, we're gonna go because I'm gonna go to bed. Yeah, dude. All right, later. Peace. <laughs>